Welcome to The Compliance Files, brought to you by Compliance Institute. The Compliance Files is a unique podcast series, giving you access to industry insights and key perspectives on how the evolving regulatory landscape is driving change, bringing challenge and opportunity for compliance professionals everywhere. I'm Cathy Jacobs, former president of the Compliance Institute and experienced compliance professional, and it's a great pleasure for me to host the podcast. Almost everyone who tunes into this podcast will be familiar with outsourcing. You will be working in an organization that outsources or is thinking about it, or indeed is an outsourcer. You will almost certainly have encountered one or more of the myriad challenges of managing the risks of outsourcing, and of course have to navigate the increasing regulation and central bank expectations in this very important Activity. So we at the Compliance Files are giving us the podcast treatment. I'm delighted to welcome today as my guest, Sean O'Driscoll. Sean joined Glan Thornton in 2020 and has 12 years experience working with industry-leading payment institutions, banks and e-money institutions. Sean has led large advisory compliance and internal audit teams with roles held focusing on risk and controls assurance. This includes leading business-wide change initiatives with subject matter expertise in risk management, outsourcing, and internal audit. Sean also has experience leading and overseeing audit assignments in a variety of areas, including governance, EBA guidelines on outsourcing, remuneration, and wind-down planning, including implementation of findings through regulatory inspections. These were completed across a variety of entities. Sean also recently held the role of Money Laundering Reporting Officer for AIR regulated subsidiary of a global leading technology company. And Sean is here today to discuss with me outsourcing and its associated risks. So uh, delighted to talk to you, Sean, and welcome to the Compliance Files podcast. Um, Thank you very much for talking to us today. Thanks a lot, and thanks for having me. So um, yeah, as you mentioned, uh, my name is Sean O'Driscoll. I'm an Associate Director in Grant Thornton's Business Risk Services team. And I focus on the governance, risk, clients, regulatory elements, financial services. My experience kind of varies really across credit and payment institutions, administrators and investment firms also. So a variety of risk compliance, internal audit roles since and prior to joining Grant Thornton. Amongst other areas, one of the areas I specialize in is outsourcing. I'm delighted to talk to you today and share some insights in this area. Let's start at the beginning. What is outsourcing and how does it differ from other third-party relationships? That's a really good place to start is to consider what outsourcing is and the definition. This includes factoring in the regulatory requirements given the increased regulatory focus over the last number of years and the number of requirements where outsourcing occurs. In its simplest form, outsourcing is where an organization uses a service provider, for example, another organization, to provide a service or deliver a function. Looking at the EBA guidelines on outsourcing, That refers to an arrangement of any form between an institution, a payment institution, or an electronic money institution, or a service provider, by which that service provider performs a process, a service, or an activity that would otherwise be undertaken by the firm itself. There's a similar definition in the CBI cross-industry guidance on outsourcing, adding that the service provider may still be considered outsourcing even if the regulated firm has not performed the service in the past. It's really important to consider the difference between outsourcing and any third-party contracts that a firm may have in place. Really looking at third-party contracts, third-party contracts are where an external entity has entered into a business relationship or a contract with a regulated firm to provide a product or services. This includes suppliers, 
vendors, business partners, and affiliates, including brokers, distributors, resellers. But when you go and look at the regulatory requirements in this area, the criteria to determine whether an arrangement constitutes outsourcing is largely you know, similar or the same. What you need to look at is the product or service performed on a recurrent or ongoing basis by the third-party provider? And would this product or service normally fall within the scope of functions that would or could realistically be performed by the firm, even if it has not performed this function in the past. What firms really need to start off doing is performing an assessment against third-party contracts held, considering these criteria and whether the arrangement constitutes outsourcing. It can be challenging in some circumstances, though, to determine whether something is outsourcing is not. And that's in particular for newly authorized entities who do a lot of outsourcing as part of their business model. And that really looks like where they might not have conducted the service yet themselves. It can be challenging in some circumstances to determine whether something is outsourcing or not. In particular, for newly authorized entities who do a lot of outsourcing as part of their business model and where they have not yet conducted services themselves. However, these firms should assess what functions will be required as part of their business and then go from there. It's really important to note that something like a legally required service, for example, an external auditor or a banking partner used for banking would not be considered outsourcing. The EBA guidelines on outsourcing makes provisions for these and other categories, including global network infrastructures and market information services. It's really kind of at this point to note that just because some of the requirements don't apply to service providers because the arrangement itself isn't outsourcing, it doesn't mean that they shouldn't be applied to service providers as a requirement. If you even have a think about that, that really looks like something like due diligence requirements which should be implemented to all third-party service providers that a firm gets into an arrangement with. The EBA guidelines itself actually calls out that taking the principle of proportionality into account is key, but firms should actually identify, assess, monitor and manage all risks resulting from arrangements with third parties to which they are or might be exposed regardless of whether or not those arrangements are outsourcing arrangements. Okay, Sean, so you've taken us through the challenge of even deciding whether it is outsourcing or not and given the an inkling of the, of the challenges in that. So having decided that this is an outsourcing arrangement, could you take us through what a regulated entity could expect in terms of what the typical life cycle of that arrangement would look like? While outsourcing can vary in subject matter and service, they usually follow a similar life cycle with a number of different phases. This includes the decision to outsource, sourcing and selecting a vendor, the contract initiation process, including negotiating and implementing formalized contracts with dedicated service level agreements and key product indicators. Then you have planning the move from the internal provision of services to the use of the outsourced service provider, alongside budgeting and forecasting for that, and then the actual move. Following the commencement of use of the provider, you get into managing performance against the contract, included tracking against those SLAs and KPIs. This includes any controls that a service provider may need to or has in place. This includes any controls that the service provider has in place or may need to put in place. It's important that SLAs are measurable. Agreed service levels should include precise quantitative and qualitative performance targets using KPIs to track the outsource function. This is really important because it allows timely monitoring so that any corrective actions can be taken without any delays if agreed service levels are not met, including actions depending on when a threshold is hit or reported on. Thanks, Sean. And now that outsourcing is now part of the regulatory landscape and the regulatory frameworks of, of regulated entities, could you 
take us through regulators evolving concerns and what have been the response to them. Yeah, definitely. So you probably know yourself and so do all of our listeners that the world without outsourcing is really hard to imagine today as it's really ingrained in many firms' businesses and business models. Since the 20th century and even further back, countries around the world witnessed the rise of roles where outsourcing occurred to countries globally. This even extended out of the financial services industry Taking the example of something like General Motors in the US who use outsourcing to great success as part of their business model. As this developed, this extended into IT outsourcing as computers became more powerful and then extended into multiple areas of financial services firms. A number of different regulatory considerations evolved over the years. However, the SEBS guidelines on outsourcing, published in 2006, which was issued by the Committee of European Banking Supervisors really aimed to ensure supervisory convergence in this area. However, these guidelines were only applicable to credit institutions. Following the SEBS guidelines, under both MIFID and MIFID II, firms to which MIFID and MIFID II apply must take reasonable steps to avoid undue operational risk when outsourcing the performance of operational functions, which are critical to the provision of services to clients. What this really hoped to achieve was ensuring that the performance of investment activities on a continuous and a satisfactory basis when outsourcing. But as you as you may all be thinking now, the SEBS guidelines probably need to be replaced as they only apply to credit institutions. And they were replaced with guidelines that are applicable to a wider group of firms to uh, really seeking to achieve a more harmonized and up-to-date framework for outsourcing arrangements of all financial institutions. This is where the EBA guidelines on outsourcing came in in 2019, also implementing changes in the wider EU regulatory framework. You know, this really took note of the fact that outsourcing arrangements have, have changed over time, and in particular, IT processes and infrastructure uh, became more common in firms. And then, in addition, there were associated risks where this occurred. One really key thing that the EBA guidelines called out was that there are a high concentration of IT services at a limited number of service providers. And this has really a big potential to lead to risks for the wider stability of the financial markets. The EBA guidelines on outsourcing also integrated requirements from the EBA recommendations to, on outsourcing to cloud service providers issued in 2017, which applied to cloud service providers. But really coming up to more and more recent times, following issuance of the EBA guidelines on outsourcing. The CBI guidelines were implemented in 2021 to address the CBI's concerns in this area. A common theme from all regulatory bodies is that outsourcing must not lead to a situation where an institution becomes an empty shell, lacks any substance to remain authorised. The CBI even referencing that the hearts and minds of a firm should be where the firm is authorised. Thanks, Sean. So in summary there, the current regulatory framework is the, the EBA guidelines, um, on outsourcing, the central bank can have issued their own guidelines and then the cloud guidelines. Is, would that be right? So that's the, the current regulatory framework. Yeah, so the current regulatory framework is the requirements within uh, MIFID 2. Also the CBI cross-industry guidance on outsourcing. But the EBA guidelines on outsourcing also implemented those requirements within the EBA recommendations to cloud services providers. So those recommendations are included within the EBA guidelines as well. And could you take us through the headline obligations? Of course. Yeah, so there's no specific legislation in Ireland regulating for outsourcing transactions, you know, across the economy, other than regulations affecting 
industries such as the financial services sector. As mentioned, the main outsourcing regulations for financial services firms include MIFID II outsourcing requirements, the EBA guidelines on outsourcing arrangements, and the CBRE cross industry guidance on outsourcing, with applicability to different types of regulated firms, depending on the type of firm that they are regulated at. It should be noted, though, that the CBRE cross industry guidance applied on a cross-industry basis to all firms regulated by the CBI. Looking at MIFID II investment firms, MIFID II sets out the requirements for outsourcing carried out by investment firms with additional requirements of MIFID II delegated regulation. This includes taking reasonable steps to avoid undue operational risks when outsourcing critical operational functions. Also, firms are required to ensure that written outsourcing agreements are in place with the relevant outsource service provider. The EBA issued those recommendations to on outsourcing to cloud service providers in 2017. Those requirements covered a lot of requirements on data. These recommendations covered a lot of requirements on data, security of information, and systems, including required access rights. All of the content of the recommendation about on outsourcing to cloud service providers was retained and implemented into the EBA guidelines on outsourcing, which entered into force in 2019. What the EBA guidelines on outsourcing did was really set out requirements for putting in place contractual arrangements required to be in place with service providers, also individual steps that an institution must take when outsourcing. Most importantly, the management body or board director's role with regard to outsourcing was outlined. For example, that it is responsible for outsourcing and must ensure adequate oversight of outsourcing. This goes so far as extending to make sure that adequate resources are available internally and at the service provider to ensure that outsourcing responsibilities are fully discharged with board and committee reporting also required. Really key for the EBA guidelines is they gave some information on what is meant by a critical or important function which are outsourced and additional stricter requirements for these arrangements. If critical or important functions are outsourced, more comprehensive requirements apply to these outsourcing arrangements, including monitoring, risk assessment, and due diligence requirements. Next along came the CBI cross-industry guidance on outsourcing. What the guidelines really did was they implemented the CBI's expectations for outsourcing, which hadn't been regulated for in Ireland up until that point by the CBI. Outsourcing is a really important issue for the CBI, and the guidelines represent that. The CBI guidance is aligned to the EBA guidelines on outsourcing, but goes beyond in certain areas. It implemented a variety and a set of requirements. This included additional information in outsourcing register beyond the EBA guidelines. It also implemented quite granular requirements as regards SLAs and KPIs, including putting in place contracted arrangements between firms and service providers, in addition to confirming that the guidance applied to branches of firms. Really importantly, the CBI acknowledged the principle of proportionality but confirmed the guidelines are deemed relevant to any regulated firm which uses outsourcing as part of its business model. However, it did note that certain aspects of the guidelines may not be appropriate to all regulated firms, and firms should always have regard to the nature, scale, and complexity of its business model and the degree to which it engages in outsourcing. Thanks, Sean. Outsourcing has been used as a form of, uh, sort of risk management or that's how it started off, in, in my view anyway. And now, obviously, it, it presents risks itself. So what do you see are the, the key outsourcing risks that outsourcing presents? And how important then, if we could talk about risk assessments in managing outsourcing risks? Of course, definitely. It's 
Corsica area to discuss and talk a bit more about. One of the clearest risks that outsourcing presents is operational risk, and you've heard me mention this a few times already. Steps are required to be taken by firms to avoid excessive operational risk before entering into outsourcing arrangements. It's really key to consider concentration risk also, where outsourcing to a dominant service provider that's not easily substitutable. Step-in risk is another factor as well. That's the risk where a regulated firm may need to step in to provide financial support to an OSP in distress or take over its business operations. Data protection and regulatory risks are also key considerations. In particular, where outsourcing takes place outside of the EU, but really looking at the, the value and the importance of risk assessments themselves. I'm going to go as far as saying that risk assessments are essential in managing outsourcing risk. Conducting those risk assessments allows firms to identify all associated risks and decide if the function should be outsourced to a service provider based on the results. It also really helps with identifying where additional controls may be needed, including monitoring of the service provider or additional due diligence. These and a variety of criteria are outlined in the EBA guidelines and CBI cross-industry guidance, considering a variety of risk factors which are required to be implemented into risk assessments. It's really, you know, it's essential for firms to know, especially smaller ones. Risk assessments will vary in complexity depending on the size of a firm and the size of its business model. However, there is some acceptance of qualitative assessments for smaller firms in consider of their nature, scale and complexity. Okay. Thanks, John. And uh, what have you seen in your work as the main challenges in managing outsourcing risk? So in my role uh, kind of in the work that Grant Thornton does, we come across a variety of different aspects um, of outsourcing risk. One of the main challenges in managing outsourcing risk is the volume of requirements to be implemented. Also considering that something like the cross-industry guidance applies on a cross-industry basis. And that's, you know, that can be difficult with industries within the financial services sector where the regulatory landscape is, you know, less risk mature or even just as not a traditional um, history of detailed risk management. This is where the principle of proportionality comes in, noting that some requirements do not apply as strongly to firms depending on their size and business model. What is a, you know, a really key challenge and something that, you know, firms can struggle with especially for smaller firms, is having appropriately skilled staff within the organization to oversee, analyze, and challenge the effectiveness of the outsourced arrangements. This really applies where the firm itself only has a small number of staff, and funnily enough, conducts a lot of outsourcing. It can be a challenge to implement appropriate oversight mechanisms initially, ensuring that SLAs are reported on and contain accurate, correct, and valuable information with enough resources internally for review, enabling that effective oversight is essential. Hope that answered that effectively. Thanks, Sean. Yeah, so uh, we're looking at the volume of requirements, having the appropriately skilled staff, and then establishing appropriate and effective oversight. And in your experience, which of the regulations and requirements do firms struggle with the most? What common themes do you see from your reviews? So as mentioned, it's just really a big challenge to implement requirements of the different regulations just due to the volume of requirements. And that's a common theme for many reviews. It's a big undertaking implementing two or more sets of guidelines where they are so granular. 
what we're really seeing is, and this should be expected, you know, there's a there's a learning curve as firms become more comfortable with the requirement. But taking those individual elements of your outsourcing framework, implementing comprehensive risk assessment, which identify all risk of the outsourcing arrangement and putting controls in place or ongoing ask for firms. In addition, monitoring against those SLAs and implementing appropriate exit strategies for arrangements in places and other including that they align to the EBA and CBI guidance. This is really essential as it allows firms to manage their risk and plan accordingly for contingencies. Thank you, John. So again, it's back to that effective, comprehensive risk assessment. And then if, if the worst comes to the worst, having a, a step-in kind of capability. Um, so what are the current central bank concerns in relation to the state of regulated firms outsourcing risk management and compliance with the regulations? And what have enforcement actions taught us about the central bank's expectations? Yeah, so the, the central bank has there's a variety of expectations as regards outsourcing and is strongly focused on it due to the increased prevalence um, of outsourcing and the potential, if not effectively managed, to threaten the operational resilience of, of those firms regulated by the CBI. And then this also impacts the wider Irish financial system. What the CBI expects is that regulated firms have effective governance, risk management, and business continuity processes in place for outsourcing to mitigate central risks of financial instability and consumer detriments. The CBI has identified offshoring risk is an essential risk of some regulated firms in Ireland. This is because one of the key concerns associated with offshoring is the physical distance of the regulated firm from where the activity or service is being provided. If this is outside the EU, within a different regulatory regime. This can challenge both the regulated firms and the CBI's ability to ensure effective oversight and supervision. Concentration risk is a particular concern also. That looks like in outsourcing where it's determined that there are a limited number of providers of specialist services that may be difficult to substitute, resulting in that increased systemic risk. This is especially important as regards critical or important functions, i.e., functions that are necessary in the performance of core business lines or critical business functions. CBI enforcement actions, for example, BMY Mellon being fined over 10 million last year have shown us that the CBI expects firms to have minimum requirements in place for outsourcing. This includes an adequate outsourcing governance framework and has shown that it's not afraid to use the administrative sanctions procedure in this area. Minimum requirements of the CBI also include identification and management of risks associated with outsourcing and compliance with all regulatory obligations in respect of outsourcing. What that example and what examples show us is that firms need to engage openly and transparently with the CBI once breaches of regulatory obligations are identified. While firms are understood to be at different stages of implementation of requirements, implementing the guidelines to a varying degree, CBI has shown it's not afraid to issue significantly large amounts, including the largest monetary penalty imposed on a fund service provider in Ireland at the time of that example in 2022. Thanks, Sean. And just if I may, in relation to outsourcing, you've got the added complications of data protection and, you know, the GDPR and the, the, the rules around that that, you know, is hard law that, that has to be complied with and things like chain outsourcing where offshoring and that person, that OSP, could be engaging in outsourcing themselves and, and the control around that. And I think the pandemic has shown the challenges when the uh, the outsourced service provider is not is, is not in the vicinity, if you like. And, you know, the challenges in relation to overseeing that arrangement 
when something like a pandemic hits. So, so there's loads of challenges there. So if we could turn to governance, could you describe the role of the board in relation to outsourcing? What should boards and especially non-executives directors be looking out for in overseeing outsourcing in their business and what does good governance around outsourcing look like? Boards and, you know, and that, you know, probably expands to senior management and regulator firms as well. They're the ones responsible for all activities undertaken by the regulator firm. This includes third party arrangements, including arrangements with any group entities. And so therefore encompasses outsourcing. The board and senior management of regulated firms are the ones accountable for the effective oversight and management of outsourcing risk. What board of directors and senior management need to do is implement appropriate structures to facilitate oversight, helping the board discharge their responsibilities. While functions and their performance and activities can be outsourced, boards and senior management of regulated firms can't outsource their responsibilities. Directors should be looking at the detailed requirements in this area both the EBA and CBI guidelines as their first protocol. Directors are required to ensure that firms have an outsourcing policy in place which is reviewed annually and extend past this though. Firms are really required to have a documented outsourcing strategy in place which is outlined to their own business strategy, business model, risk appetite and risk management framework supported by underlying controls that the firm has in place. As mentioned this extends to ensuring compliance with CBI and EBA guidelines. One thing the CBI has called out is that it's really important that the board ensure that outsourcing does not really impede the regulator firm's ability to meet the conditions under which it was authorized. And that includes any conditions that were imposed by the CBI. The board should assign responsibility, oversight of outsourcing risk and outsourcing arrangements to an appropriately designated individual, including function and or committee accountable to the board. I know I've touched upon this a little bit, but something that is a concern for CBI um, is that firms maintain um, a sufficient substance and don't become those em- empty shells or letterbox entities. So operationally, what you'll see the CBI request now is that for multiple firms, all PCFO holders are located in Ireland. The board is also required to ensure that firms establish outsourcing registers and criticality assessments to ensure a methodology with determining the criticality or importance of services which may be outsourced. But the board's responsibility doesn't end there. It goes wider than that to good governance. Good governance is where the board has a comprehensive view of the firm's outsourcing universe. And this includes a provision of timely and appropriate management information, which provides sufficient detail to enable the board to challenge the establishment and ongoing oversight of outsourcing arrangements. This takes the form of metrics being included in board packs, going as granular as SLAs and KPIs from outsourcing arrangements. Reviews of outsourcing practices should also be presented to the board, considering arrangements already in place, as well as any proposed new arrangements. Thanks, Sean. And we've seen the agenda broaden out in terms of operational resilience. And I mentioned earlier the pandemic. So what did the pandemic teach us about managing outsourcing risks and arrangements? So taking taking the first part of that question first, outsourcing and operational resilience are really quite linked. For clarification to anyone listening who may not be aware, operational resilience is the ability of a firm and the financial services sector as a whole to identify and prepare for, respond and adapt to, recover and learn from an operational disruption. Considering something like sub-outsourcing risk 
while the CBI has stated that it does not expect firms to directly monitor the sub-outsourced service providers in all circumstances, where this occurs for critical or important outsourcing services, the linkages become evident. The CBI has confirmed in the, and then they go in to do this in the cross-industry guidance, the firms should consider the potential impact on service delivery of large, complex sub-outsourcing chains on their operational resilience and their capacity to monitor such arrangements and oversee that complexity. Going further than this, this extends to business continuity risks, you know, which are part of an operational resilience framework and threats to a regulated firm's operational resilience through its dependence on outsourced service providers. This is relevant where there are limited or no alternative service providers to whom the outsourced activities can be transferred in a timely and orderly manner. This is why a firm should ensure they identify any concentration risks associated with outsourcing, improving their operational resilience. Operational resilience is a key factor to be considered as part of the impact assessment when determining whether a function or service is critical or important. Just going on to the next part of your question, and as you mentioned, the pandemic or the the dreaded COVID words taught us that firms will encounter problems where appropriate oversight mechanisms are not in place. It has shown us also, though, that employees and functions can operate effectively once that monitoring is in place. You know, how we work change, organizations reset their business strategy to implement advanced technologies and modern technology solutions and are likely to use external support to achieve this faster. Because of this, and firms using outsourcing on a more wider basis, it's essential that firms have identified and accurately assessed outsourcing risk, including for their individual arrangements and mitigating those risks via controls as required. Thanks, Sean. And looking to the future, what developments should listeners look out for in the short to medium term in outsourcing? And then what should compliance professionals guide for? Yeah, so I think they're probably quite linked questions. And I think it's really important to look at kind of the, the regulatory perspective on this. The CBI is monitoring the implementation of the CBI cross-industry guidance. And any common themes or trends that the CBI sees are likely to be communicated part of that supervisory engagement that the CBI does. It's really important to note in this area, though, as well, that expectations also extend to outsource activities where that activities are conducted by any group entities would possibly expect CBI or even the EBA to touch upon outsourcing to group entities potentially in its next set of DCEO letters. It called this out earlier in the year to payment and e-money firms. Looking wider than outsourcing though, the implementation of the Digital Operational Resilience Act or DORA will cover a number of outsourcing considerations. For example, considering the requirements to include a number of contractual terms in ICT outsourcing contracts. Also, there's going to be a number of development areas fleshed out as part of this, including how you're going to integrate your ICT processes and data and how you're going to assess concentration risks, third or fourth parties. Thanks, Sean. So still lots of development coming along the track and especially for compliance professionals to look out for, including a potentially a dear CEO letter and of course, Dora, which is now with us. So coming to the end of our, our discussion, Sean, What are the main themes or takeaways for compliance professionals who are, you know, in the second line and overseeing the outsourcing regulatory risk in their firm? As touched upon and confirmed, requirements for an outsourcing framework are really comprehensive. 
So it's really important that firms are aware of all of these requirements. The boards of firms should put in place adequate oversight arrangements, ensuring that adequate and comprehensive risk assessments are conducted, also ensuring that due diligence of service providers occurs and that exit strategies and plans are in place to ensure that all firms have detailed outsourcing policies in place, approved by the board at least annually. The requirements in this area vary by firm, but the CBI cross-industry guidance should be a benchmark for all firms and the EBA and MIFIC requirements for those firms which it's applicable to. Firms should really consider their wider operational resilience impacts and or outsourcing is only going to increase in frequency in future and firms need to ensure that they're adequately prepared. Thanks, Sean, and uh, thanks for sharing your insights and expertise on a topic that is relevant to all our listeners and members. And thank you to you for listening to the Compliance Files podcast brought to you by the Compliance Institute. I do hope that you find the podcast interesting and useful. We would be very grateful if you would review or rate this podcast. Until the next episode, goodbye. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Compliance Files. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you are listening to ensure you don't miss out on future episodes.